Hello and welcome to the Ministry of Philip Christian Bible Study. I just wanted to give everyone an update really quick on how the Bible study is coming and take a quick look at things in the news before we get too far behind. A lot has been going on since we last spoke. The Bible study is coming along nicely and we will probably release two episodes at once within the next couple of weeks. We're very excited to bring it to you and pray that it will be of use to someone. A lot of things have been happening in the news and if we waited to put this out, some things would get lost and some of these things are momentous events when we look at them with a biblical perspective in mind. First, let's look at the coronavirus. Let's just take a second to meditate on this. Around nine months ago, things were as they had been for our entire lives. The stock market was at all-time highs, and we had all the pleasures of modern life at our disposal. And in most countries, the citizens coexisted more or less peacefully. No sin was held back from us in a general sense. We could mock God and say that all this prosperity was because of us and our great knowledge, and we were not beholden to a creator, and we certainly didn't have to listen to a set of antiquated rules some shepherds wrote down thousands of years ago. But then almost overnight, the coronavirus pandemic struck, and the illusion of safety that most of us had was revealed for the foolishness and vanity that it was. Nearly instantly, everyone's life was put in disarray. Fear of death from an unknown pathogen crept into our hearts, and we were not allowed to go to work or school. Global travel ground to a halt. Store shelves emptied. Restaurants were shut down. We started to have to wear masks everywhere we went, and in some places conflict broke out between maskers and anti-maskers. Just recently in St. Louis in the USA, a gun battle broke out between employees and customers of a dollar store over mass policy. The employee's pistol skills were on point and he outgunned the customer. When the customer was found a few blocks away with a gunshot wound to his hip, he told the police that he was the victim of a drive-by. The whole way of life that we have grown accustomed to since birth is gone. Yet there has been no call for repentance on a national or global level, as there would have been in times past. No cry to turn from our wicked, sinful ways and embrace the pure life offered by our God. The climate is such that in most places, if a political leader called for repentance and asked the people to pray for the Lord's mercy, well, that leader would have been laughed to scorn by the woke enlightened hordes. The best we got was some empty platitudes from politicians and feel-good religious messages from some church leaders about how we don't understand why this is happening to us, but if we just send a donation, the Lord will fix this and we can get back to watching our favorite reality shows and get ready for our teams to play this season. This is the talk of the unlearned. Those who study the Holy Word know exactly why this has happened. It is no accident. The Lord has promised by His holy name, through the mouth of His prophets, that if we do not follow His laws, statutes, and judgments, 
then he will pour out his righteous wrath upon the peoples of the earth. One does not have to look far to see that right now. Scientists, the techno-prophets of this time, are still baffled by the virus. It has them totally stumped. Anyone who doubts this assessment need only look at the news articles. One day masks stop the virus, and the next they don't. We still don't even know how it's transmitted for sure. Is it a respiratory disease, or is it a vascular disease? It appears most people don't even spread it, and that it follows the 80-20 rule, where in an organization 20% of the people do 80% of the work. But in this case, 20% do all the spreading of the virus, while 70-80% to 80% of people don't transmit it to a single person. In the United Kingdom, the Prime Minister is telling people it is their quote-unquote moral duty to send their children back to school. Despite restrictions still in place on even visiting the garden of a different household. The Prime Minister must have read the July 10th report that said children rarely spread COVID, and not the August 26th report that flags children as super spreaders of the disease. In the U.S., as fast as colleges are reopening, they are reevaluating as cases spike. New Zealand thought it had conquered the virus through strict lockdown measures. But on August 11th, it was in the news that after 102 days of being COVID-free, there were local cases of transmission on the island nation with no known point of origin. One of those who was infected worked at a frozen food importer, and it was speculated that the individual may have caught it there. Coincidentally, a few days later, a study came out finding that the live virus was detected on frozen meat and fish three weeks after it was frozen. And common sense tells us that under the right conditions, the virus can be expected to live for years frozen. But this is irrelevant to the point we should take away, which is, New Zealand has no idea how a virus that was celebrated as being eradicated is once again spreading in the country. South Korea is also seeing a resurgence of cases. I haven't studied this incident a great deal, but it looks like many cases are coming from churches. We should observe how this plays out and take notice if states start to blame religious groups for spreading the virus. Thankfully, some positive news has come out. It appears that some immunity is developed by those who have the virus and recover. A study that found crew members of a fishing boat had immunity to transmission was released on August 25th. And initial indications are also that Brazil is getting close to herd immunity and we have personally seen infections in the local community go down in our area of the world as well. This is promising and we pray to God that he eases this burden from the world, if it be his will, and that he spares us from having to endure this misfortune much longer. However, in a more troubling development, it has been reported that a man in Hong Kong was reinfected again after four months with COVID-19. And a man in the U.S. state of Nevada just caught the virus for a second time as well. But it is unclear how severe these secondary infections will be. 
It is also in the news that several countries are near vaccines, with Russia claiming to have one already. This brings up the question, will the nations of the world push for mandatory vaccination of their citizens, and will people have to show some form of verification of immunity to cross borders, enter public buildings, buy or sell, or to generally conduct business? This has a high likelihood of creating a us-and-them dynamic. Despite all this uncertainty surrounding COVID-19, the virus itself does not appear to be particularly lethal to most people, with a mortality rate well below 1 in 100. What is more concerning is the social turmoil that the reactions to the virus have caused to explode. All of the daily side effects of dealing with the virus lockdown, unemployment, and general malaise are leading to deadly consequences when combined with pre-existing social issues. In Belarus, thousands are demonstrating against a contested presidential election, and we are watching to see how Russia, its eastern neighbor, reacts. A few days ago, the Russian president said he was setting up a law enforcement agency to help quell unrest in Belarus if necessary and the U.S. is sending 500 troops to Lithuania, which is a NATO member on Belarus's western border. All over the world, small protests and riots are popping up over coronavirus restrictions. These riots are directly related to measures imposed to stop the spread of the contagion. Protesters attempted to storm the German parliament, and many were arrested as clashes broke out in Australia. In the U.S., one side fights against police brutality and systemic racism, while the other side fights for law and order and not to have their property burned to the ground, with the mass media fueling the flames on both sides. All eyes should be towards the November U.S. presidential election. As we wind our way towards the political sphere, we've come to the big news. When we put out our first current events broadcast, we rushed to get it out to make note of Israeli plans to annex parts of the West Bank and the turmoil this would surely cause. Now, using the threat of West Bank annexation as leverage, Israel and the United Arab Emirates have agreed to normalize relations in a deal brokered by the U.S. This is a big event. It is only the third peace treaty with Israel by an Arab state, with Egypt and Jordan being the only others. Many commentators think this may be a watershed moment for peace, with other Arab states to jump on and the area to enter in a glorious, peaceful harmony. For those of us who study the Bible, we know otherwise. We know the words of the great apostle when he speaks concerning the last days. In 1 Thessalonians 5.3 For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then suddenly destruction cometh upon them. As travail upon a woman with child, they shall not escape. And the words of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah saying, They cry, Peace, peace. When there is no peace. So it is that we, as students of the Bible, when they tell us how there will be peace in the Middle East, 
We must remember that the avowed goal of most of the nations surrounding Israel today is to quote-unquote drive the Jews into the sea. It should not be hard for a reasonable person to see how driving the Jews into the sea could be a hindrance for peaceful coexistence. Does it ever seem strange to you how much attention the tiny country of Israel receives in the world press? Why is it that the eyes of the world are drawn to this speck on the map? Those of us who trust in the Lord and His promises know the reason for this. The things the Lord told us would happen, will happen, exactly as they are written. Coming fast on the heels of the UAE agreement, news out of the Balkans. In a ceremony at the White House in Washington, the leaders of Serbia agreed to move their Israeli embassy to Jerusalem, and Kosovo, which is seen as an independent nation or a breakaway providence, depending on which group of nations you ask, agreed to recognize Israel in the same meeting. I'm not entirely sure why, but nations of the Balkans seem to play an oversized role in world events. It was the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand in Sarajevo that launched the world into global conflict in World War I, thus laying the framework for the Second World War and the global order of today. Also in 1999, conflict in Serbia and Kosovo brought on NATO military intervention and laid the framework for the nation-building policies the U.S. embarked on after the 9-11 attacks. And recently, on August 7, 2020, Serbia was attempting to mend relations with Azerbaijan for selling weapons to Armenia, a nation that will participate in the last battle of this world age. So again, I'm not sure why, but any news out of the Balkans has the potential to affect world events in a disproportionate way. But let's head back to the land of Judea for a bit. We recently saw some out-of-the-ordinary events in U.S. politics concerning the Holy Land. First, we had the U.S. Secretary of State broadcasting a speech to a political convention from Jerusalem with the old city and Temple Mount as a backdrop. He touted the American administration's historic UAE peace deal and the decision to move the American embassy to Jerusalem. During his acceptance speech for his party's nomination, the American president also made note of his actions in Israel, the UAE peace deal, the move of the embassy to Jerusalem, and the U.S. recognizing Israeli sovereignty over the disputed Golan Heights. I ask you, if you're an unbeliever or wavering, why are the eyes of the world on this tiny ancient part of the earth, 3,000 years after the Bible said all will look to Jerusalem in the latter days? Maybe some of our secular friends would like to put forth the hypothesis. Moving on, and also out of the Middle East. On the 4th of August, 2020, it appears a warehouse fire in Beirut, Lebanon, set off some 3,000 tons of fertilizer in what is being called the largest non-nuclear blast in history. The explosion dwarfed any conventional weapon ever used. Video posted online is truly terrifying. 
The blast killed at least 200 and devastated Lebanon's main port. It brings to mind the words of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah in the 40th chapter, 16th verse, where it is written, Behold, the nations are a drop in the bucket and are counted as small dust of the valance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing, and vanity. This 40th chapter is concerned with Christ and has some focus on the time just prior to his return and the establishment of the millennial kingdom. We are not saying that this verse references this incident, but we do take note that it is a strange coincidence. It is being reported that some 300,000 people have been left homeless in Beirut. The entire Lebanese cabinet resigned, and images of the blast focus on the ruins of the massive grain silos, the largest in the country where imported grain was unloaded from ships. Lebanon imports 90% of its grain, and this was the main unloading area. The UN issued a report on August 30th that more than half of the country's population will soon be facing a food crisis. Lebanon was already facing an economic crisis with 50% inflation predicted this year. All of this bears close attention as Lebanon is on Israel's northern border and even now Iranian-backed Hezbollah is working behind the scenes to harness the turmoil and gain a stronger grip on power. We should watch this area for more destabilization as a result of the blast and its aftermath and look for it to put pressure on Israel's northern front. I ask all of you to keep our Christian brothers and sisters in Lebanon in your prayers. Lebanon has a very strong Christian presence. If you can find a reputable place to donate, please help them if you can. There is a video of the altar of a church surviving the blast unscathed as the building is blown apart around it. Elsewhere, Turkey is asserting itself on the world stage with gas extraction ships entering into waters claimed by both Greece and Turkey. Experts warn that this posturing could erupt into conflict very quickly. And in a strange development, the UAE has sent a small group of fighter jets to the Greek island of Crete as a show of support against Turkey, who the UAE is also opposing in Libya. Egypt is also giving its support to Greece in this dispute. And in Libya, the two sides in the country's civil war agreed to a ceasefire in late August that is still holding at the moment. This war has created some strange bedfellows on the world stage with unlikely groups of countries backing each faction. The dispute over a dam on the Nile River between Ethiopia and Egypt is still simmering, with famous Ethiopian singers boasting of Ethiopia's control over the river. And the U.S. president just announced that he was suspending $100 million in aid to Ethiopia over its decision to begin filling the dam without an agreement between all stakeholders, namely Egypt and Sudan. All of this is taking place as there appears to be political dissent in Ethiopia, 
with one of its regions promising to hold elections without the authorization of the federal government. Commentators say this could lead to the succession of the state of Tigray from Africa's second most populous country. Again, Ethiopia is another nation mentioned by name as participating in the final battle just prior to the return of Christ. In technology news, it was noted that major oil companies are planning to permanently delay developing already proven reserves of crude oil. Even futures traders can't predict the oil markets, but this is a cycle we have seen over and over. These proven resources take years, sometimes decades, and billions of dollars to develop and can't be opened overnight. It is not hard to see a situation in a few years when the world needs a lot of oil fast and the production capacity is not there. Like it or not, oil is nothing short of magic. There is no other substance like it on earth. We may even do a special lesson on it in the future. It is very likely that petropolitics will play a huge part in the latter days. Also, an American company has just announced linking a computer with the brain of a pig, with eyes on doing the same with humans. The stated goal being to help people with paralysis or brain injuries interact via a computer brain link. It is interesting to note that the eccentric founder of this company is also one of the leading voices crying about the existential threat posed by artificial intelligence systems. And he has been known to say that the only way he sees us having a chance is a brain-computer link to augment our abilities. This is not some loon working out of his basement. This is one of the richest men in the world. Now for signs in the heavens and the earth. Last time we mentioned that someone had thought it was a good idea to name a possible hurricane after one of the Lord's prophets. I remarked that I did not think this wise, as the will of the Lord will be done, but a major storm named after his prophet just seemed too much of an open invitation for disaster. At any rate, Hurricane Isaias did form, but it looks like the Lord took a pass on sending a message with it. While the hurricane swept up the east coast of the United States and left at least 12 dead and millions without power, it did not have the shocking impact many events do. Although it is estimated that it will be one of the most expensive hurricanes to ever hit the upper U.S. east coast, it lacked the shock and awe of a sign from the Creator. But the Lord needs none of man's help to make His displeasure known. During the time since our last broadcast, we have beheld fire tornadoes in the U.S. state of California on August 15th. From there, things went from bad to worse, with the second and third largest California wildfires in history burning at the exact same time. In the U.S. Gulf of Mexico, Hurricanes Marca and Laura were in the water at the same time in a very rare event. While Marco didn't make much of an impact, Laura hit Texas and Louisiana like a steamroller, packing up to 180 mile per hour winds and leaving a path of destruction in her wake. Fire, wind, and water, the only element left is earth. If I were in a U.S. state prone to earthquakes, 
I'd be especially mindful when indoors during this time. In China, record-breaking floods have hit the Yangtze River. The Three Gorges Dam reported its highest water throughput ever, with 75,000 cubic meters of water flowing through every second. There was some concern of the dam overtopping, which could put it in danger of collapse. The videos of all this water flowing through the floodgates on the Three Gorges Dam fills one with dread. Witnessing the raw power of nature reminds us how powerless we are in the face of it, and how much more so when God turns his vengeance on the world directly. We will pray for the mountains to fall on us to hide us from his gaze. To date, 63 million people have been affected by the Chinese floods. Dramatic images came out of China of the feet of the Lishin Buddha statue, the largest Buddhist statue in the world, being submerged by floodwaters. As this was going on, tourists were being rescued from the site. In the American Corn Belt, a derecho, which is a large, fast-moving storm, struck on August 10, 2020. It tore across four American grain-producing states, with Iowa being the hardest hit. The storm's path covered 770 miles in 14 hours, and it was 40 miles wide with sustained winds over 100 miles per hour and gusts up to 140 miles an hour. And just to spice things up a bit, it was hailing as well. The storm struck at a critical time just before the corn harvest, and it is being referred to as historic. It is estimated that 14 million acres of corn and soybeans were ruined, but as one official noted, the greater concern is that many grain silos were destroyed. The state lost 57 million bushels of commercial grain storage capacity and tens of millions of bushels or more of on-site farm storage capacity. The official said that this was a looming natural disaster that will surely affect the nation's food supply and prices. We are reminded that it was grain storage capacity that saved Egypt and all of the countries of that area after the Pharaoh's dream of seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, as interpreted by Joseph. The United States is by far the world's largest exporter of corn and soybeans, and Iowa is the number one and number two producer of both of these crops, respectively. You need not be Nostradamus to see where this is heading. Death by a thousand wounds. An August 26th United Kingdom headline reads, Bread price may rise after dire UK wheat harvest. Farmers are reporting a 40% year-to-year reduction in yield, Due to weird weather patterns and flour millers have been forced to raise their prices 10% this year already. It would seem that dire omens are the order of the day in our age. It begs the question, has the third horseman began his ride on his black steed with balances in hand? Will a handful of grain sell for a day's wage as it is written? The answer to this question is not yet clear. What we do know is that the end is not yet at the door, because the man of sin has not been revealed in Jerusalem. We cannot say if the horsemen have begun their ride, 
and we are aware that there have been plagues and famines and shatterings of old orders many times before, and there will be many more again as long as man reigns on the earth. But we also realize that these things happen before the rise of the global beast, on whose flesh we feed and who we marvel at or take for granted as we go about our lives. As we enter into this time, all bets are off, because while similar things have happened in the past, the society that has grown up over the last 150 years is a brand new thing under the sun. There is no playbook save the scriptures. So be of good cheer. The Lord has foretold us all things. He has said these things will come, and with each passing day our faith increases, for he has told us these things will come, and they have. Then so too also will come the blessings which he has promised for those who follow his statutes and judgments, and give him honor where honor is due. With that, we end in prayer. Lord God, please protect your servants and our families. Grant us the wisdom and foresight to prepare as much as possible for the things ahead. But we realize that only by your outstretched, protective hand will we have any safety, as all of our works and preparations are in vain without your blessing. Father, we pray for your mercy on the earth and its peoples. And if it be thy will, take away all this division and calamity. And if it be not your will, we ask that you remember your promises of protection to your servants and that you grant us the strength we need to wear your yoke. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.